All right. So today I have Benny Vaughn uh, with me. Uh, Benny is a licensed massage therapist. He's also a licensed athletic trainer, certified athletic trainer. Uh, massage Magazine uh, noted him as one of the 50 most influential professionals of hands-on soft tissue therapy in the world over the past 100 years. Uh, he's got 46 years of massage therapy experience. Uh, he's known internationally as an expert in the assessment, treatment, and care of athletic-related soft tissue dysfunction using manual techniques. He's got extensive history with uh, working with Olympic athletes. He's been involved with multiple uh, Summer Olympic Games and World Championships. Uh, looks like uh, specifically with U.S. and track and field, but um, I believe maybe some other uh, sports as well. Um, and we'll get into that. Uh, and then in 2010, Benny was inducted into the University of Florida College of Health and Human Performance Alumni Hall of Fame. He is a certified life mastery consultant with the Brave Thinking Institute, and that is something that we will talk about as well. Benny, thank you for uh, being on and doing this interview with me. Glad to have you. Great. Thank you, Jason. And I'm uh, thrilled to be here to uh, have a conversation and to share with you and uh, your audience uh, what my life experiences have been like uh, in the world that I operate in, <laughs> Absolutely. which is a world of, of touch. Yes. No, I, I appreciate that. And, you know, one of the, one of the goals for uh, this podcast has been to get uh, other types of practitioners and clinicians on that um, in a lot of ways, complement what, what I do and what we do and um, but also really, there's a lot of people out there that just don't know that there are alternative treatment approaches other than what's conventional and what they're being told. And so I like to put that before uh, people and let them know, hey, you have options. If one thing didn't work or if you feel like you're at the end of your rope, look, there's more out there. And, and so I know in general, massage is a big part of that, but you've, you've really taken massage to a whole nother level with your career and, and with your accolades. So I'd love for you to, to get into a little bit more just about, um, you know, how did you get to where you are today? Um, you know, where did you start? And when you started your career, did you, did you see yourself where you are today or did you see yourself going a totally different direction? Yeah. Thanks, Jason. And uh, I, I'm happy to, to share my story. Uh, let me begin first by uh, telling you and, uh, your audience, uh, my philosophy of care. And then I will uh, back that up to how I got here. Perfect. It, so, so my philosophy of care falls under this umbrella. If a client or patient has a problem, a challenge, a complaint, there is a solution because a problem cannot exist in the universe without a solution existing. You, you cannot have yin without yang. You cannot have black without white. You cannot have left without right. You cannot have up without down. You cannot have an orthopedic challenge, a pain challenge, a movement challenge 
without a solution existing. The key is the therapist, the clinician is required to be committed to discovering with the client, with the patient, the solution. So my approach is to never tell a client or a patient that there's nothing more I can do for you, mm-hmm. to never tell a client or patient, well, this is just how it is. You're just going to have to live with it. And to never tell a client or patient that you've given up on them because that is part of the therapeutic experience. So what you said earlier about helping your audience understand that there are alternatives, there are options out there falls within that understanding that if you have a problem, there is a solution and it may require you to exercise your options to see other clinicians, other practitioners, other doctors, other therapists to discover that. So just know that those options do exist with a solution attached to them. It's discovering which option has the solution for whatever matters to the patient, to the client. So, uh, so you're absolutely right. Letting uh, people know that there are uh, options is, is perfect because the universe is set up that way. It's set up that way. So there you go. So I think what you're doing is like super fantastic. Well, I appreciate that. And I mean, the first two minutes of this podcast, I think say it all. I mean, if we stopped it right there, that to me right now tells me that this is exactly why Emily, uh, you know, tell me you need to get connected with uh, Benny Vaughn um, because that is very similar to uh, the approach that I take. And I've had mentors um, uh, that are similar to you where they've been doing this for, you know, 40, 50 years. And, uh, you know, one of the things that uh, overlies uh, my treatment philosophy is that every person has untapped potential. And so everybody that comes in through the door has the potential to be better than what they are. And the hope is that you're going to help them with what they came to you for, but you know that you can help them to be better than where you are. So I, I love that you said that. Um, I love that that's your treatment philosophy. Um, and we still got the whole interview to do. So this will be, this will yeah. be fantastic. Yeah. So, that, that, that is like, uh, yeah, that's like super fantastic for me uh, to, to hear that because uh, so often the, you know, so-called traditional model of medicine and healthcare uh, often gets a bad rap. Mm. And, and, and here's where the bad rap comes from, in my view. This is what I hear from people who exercise what I do as an option. And it goes usually like this. Person comes in, they often have an MRI report, they'll bring x-rays, They'll bring many reports and assessments that 
been done. And the conversation goes like this. Well, I've been to see two of these, one of those. I've been doing this therapy for 15 weeks. Uh, I've had this surgery or that medication, so forth and so on. So they have utilized the wonderful system that we have in place. But the results that they desire, that they would love, have not happened. Mm -hmm. And so they come to me and they bring all of this and they just say, well, no one's helped me. No one's done anything. They never complain about the science. They never say, well, I went to that doctor or that doctor didn't know anything about the skeletal system or muscles or tendons, or I went to that therapist and they didn't know anything about rehab. Or the, they never say that. They never say that. What they say is that the person's attitude didn't support what matters to me. And what matters to me is I would love to not have pain. I would love to be able to lift my arm. I would love to be able to walk without my feet hurting. They never say, well, they didn't know the science. What they say is the attitude of that clinician did not resonate on an expansive, helpful vibrational frequency. Mm. You've often heard the saying that we, so uh, I, I have an incredible team of massage therapists here, mm. as well as other practitioners, you know, registered dietitians, sports nutritionists, of course, Emily, licensed acupuncturists, all those people that are here on this team, I handpicked, I selected. Mm. And the primary criteria was not the licenses or the credentials or the many uh, college degrees they had, but it was on their energetic attitude because everything else you can teach. Mm -hmm. And so the energetic attitude that we have at the facility here supports every client, every patient that comes here with the energy that we are committed to helping you. And and we suspend, I suspend the need to know how I can help that patient, how I can help that client. I suspend my need to know how I can help them by just believing that I will help them, I can help them. Because many times I don't know on the first visit what my skill set, which skill set will benefit them the most. Mm -hmm. But throughout the process, I believe that I will help them. And so consequently, at the end of every conversation that I have with every person that I provide care for, I end the conversation with, I can help you. Whether it's a text message, an email, on the phone, and then when they come in and I do my initial assessment and history taking, 
at the end of that, I give them my assessment of what I believe matters to them. And then I always say, I can help you. Let's go to the VIP therapy suite. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. I don't say let's go to the massage room. I don't say let's go back here. I don't say uh, let's go around the corner. I say I can help you. Let's go to the VIP therapy suite. So the therapy's already begun. The therapeutic mm -hmm. experience has already begun supporting what matters to them. And that's to be out of pain. That's to be able to move so forth and so on. And I suspend my need to know how I'm going to help them. I just believe I can help you. Mm -hmm. And then I go from there. I mean, why not go into it that way? I mean, yeah. who wants, who wants a surgeon, for example, to go into a surgery not believing that they can help that patient. Think about that for a That's minute. Good point. That's a good point. And I'm going to go into surgery. I, I don't really know if I can. Uh. No, you want a surgeon that's going into surgery with the attitude, I can help this patient. Well, mm -hmm. it's the same for us therapists. Mm -hmm. It's the same for us. We have to go into that treatment area with the attitude, I can help this patient. No matter how long they have had pain, no matter at what level of fact, conditions, and circumstances exist, at my level of awareness is my belief that I can help that client, I can help that patient. So, so uh, there you have it. That's the yeah. core of what I do. <laughs> no, that's fantastic. Um, and you mentioned, and I'll, I'll make sure that we put this in the uh, show notes, but uh, tell me, Tell the audience where you are located, where the center is. Uh, yeah, so so I'm located in the uh, Clear Fork development on Edwards Ranch Road. Mm -hmm. And uh, we're at the end of Edwards Ranch Road that directly connects to Brian Irving. Mm -hmm. So Edwards Ranch Road goes quite a ways there through Clear Fork. So I'm on the Brian Irving end. And we're the folks that built those three buildings out of copper. Mm -hmm. So for those of you who are from the area and you're driving through here during construction and wondering, what are these shiny penny buildings? What, mm -hmm. what is this? What's that? Uh, the project uh, is uh, financed and owned by the Reynolds family. And uh, the Reynolds family has been awesome because 10 years ago, uh, one of the members of the Reynolds family uh, was a client and visited with me about what would your perfect therapy center look like? I, I had no idea what was mm -hmm. going on there. And, and, and the person was uh, Walt Reynolds who came to my office and he said, what would your, and I said, well, uh, it'd be a place where I would have uh, a nutritionist. Uh, I'd have an acupuncturist. And at that time I said, I'd, I'd have a chiropractor uh, I'd have uh, massage therapists who were trained in advanced uh, hands-on techniques. Uh, I'd have a place for uh, movement therapy like Pilates and gyrotonics. And uh, I would have uh, strength training. So I'd have a gym, a place where people could strength train because I believe that strength and mobility are an important part of living a pain-free life. Mm 
So Walt Reynolds turns to me and he says, what if my family built that for you? Mm. Okay. So after I got off the floor from shock, <laughs> I was like, what? Like, he says, yeah. I said, what, what if we, what if we built that for you? And so, you know, they're, they're very involved in uh, a lot of community activities, you know, uh, philanthropy and things for kids. I mean, it, it's a awesome family, the Reynolds. So, uh, so that's how the whole thing began. So this incredible building, which is 10,000 square feet, was built by the Reynolds family on a handshake. Wow. A handshake. Yeah. You don't Amazing. hear that anymore. Yeah. Amazing. Done on a handshake. And so let me back up and just say this. So Don Miguel Ruiz's book, The Four Agreements, which some of your listeners Mm-hmm. and viewers may be familiar with there are four agreements that you make with yourself and this is h- how i live my life and it's how i do my therapy and one of the four agreements is be impeccable with your word mm-hmm. okay don't take things personally do your very best and don't make assumptions so we did a handshake and we were both impeccable with our word. And that's how this building that I'm in was built. Amazing. Isn't that amazing? That, that is absolutely amazing. amazing. I, you, know, you would be the perfect person to ask. Cause I remember when those buildings were going, going up and, and I watched the copper being rolled down over the building. And I thought that is the craziest idea. Who would want a building of copper, you know, and now they've patinaed and they look great. Was there any significance to why copper? Yes. So uh, we'll start with the cosmetic look. So uh, the Reynolds thought we'd like this to, you know, they're Texas people. Hmm. They said, we want this to look like Texas barns. Okay. And so our first landscaping actually was Southwestern landscaping. And then, you know, we had uh, cacti and all this other, and then we had to make a shift because, that didn't work as well as we had all these plains grasses and it didn't work as well as we like. So we shifted it's still beautiful landscaping. So the first thing is the rental said, Hey, we want this to look like Texas barns when the patina. And then two, we want the structure. So Cunningham architects in Dallas did the, the setup. Mm-hmm. And so uh, we also talked about what, is a therapeutic metal. Well, mm-hmm. copper throughout history from Roman days, I mean, uh, you know, copper has all types of natural uh, antimicrobial properties. Uh, I mean, it's been used in so many ways, you know, copper bracelets and uh, copper was used to build implements and tools and so forth. So there was a therapeutic value of being around this earthly element, Mm -hmm. copper. And then the third thing is that I can look out my window and I see three microwave towers, which drives our iPhones and Androids and everything else. And they also pump out a high level of electromagnetic frequencies 
because that's what they have to do. Mm-hmm. Well, copper blocks and reduces that. So there are three microwave towers that I can take a rock. And if I'm really throwing good, I can mm-hmm. hit them from our office. The copper shields us, reduces mm-hmm. that significantly. And we measured it mm-hmm. where when people come into our building, the therapeutic experience has already begun Mm -hmm. because for that period of time, they're not as exposed. And it's not like, you know, we're at Chernobyl or something, right? But it was just a a small twist to making the therapeutic environment inside the building. Just another little thing that we could do. Yeah. So, so that's how the uh, uh, copper cladding, came about and uh, the rentals were totally on board. And the other thing we did with the building is we put natural lighting everywhere. Mm-hmm. Every therapy suite has windows. Every single one of them has windows. We have 10 skylights that run the length of the two hallways that run the length of the building. Uh, I have a 12 foot transom that's put into the shared office space where all the therapists uh, have their uh, desk so that they could get the light from the skylights out in the hallway because mm-hmm. it's an interior office. And so uh, that's very unusual. Like our strength training area, we may be the only strength training area of that size that has windows on the east and west side mm-hmm. of the strength training floor. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah, so we, we just think that natural lighting really makes a difference. So, but that's the copper story. Yeah. And again, this whole thing was done on a handshake. And I'll just let you in on so about 45 days before the project was finished, uh, attorneys from the Reynolds Corporation, I guess, discovered that the Reynolds and I had made this deal and there was no paperwork. Mm. and they panicked a little bit and i got a call from walt reynolds like hey you, you got to come over to the construction site <laughs> and we got to like sign some papers or something you know that that you're gonna like lease this building or rent it or buy it or do something but i gotta have something to show our legal team because they're kind of like like you did what you yeah. shook a guy's hand and gave him your word and what yeah. And so uh so we set up a piece of plywood on some saw horses while work crews were finished and we did the paperwork and everybody was happy. But you know, oh that's funny. The, the thing was done on we were both impeccable with our words and yeah, uh and we did our very best. Well, that's good. I feel like I just got a little bit of um Fort Worth history uh there. <laughs> so that was uh, yeah, you, you did. Yeah. yeah. I mean, most people don't know how uh the magazine 360 they did a uh, a piece on this once it was done and it was titled the copper compound because oh, you know there's yeah. there's three buildings right right in this and so uh the the local magazine 360 did a piece on us called uh, the copper compound and and they give a little a bit of history about you know how the reynolds family and all this came about mm. yeah blah 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 well, that's neat. That's good. I appreciate you sharing that. I've always, I've always wondered in the, I love hearing you talk about the, the EMF factor and, and 
how you know the copper is really minimizing that uh, or or decreasing that for your uh, clients. And like you said, I mean, like that from the time that somebody walks into the building and and in reality, it's not just your building; it's all the other businesses in those other two buildings too. That at the time that that was not a thought in their mind, but they're getting the benefit of that, whether they know it or not. So yeah, yeah, um, it's, yeah. It's, it's pretty cool. Yeah, I love hearing that. Yeah. Um, well, so so tell me, how did you get to the point that you are? What what was the early days of your career? What did that look like? And then, you know, how did you get the connection with the Olympic Games? Tell us a little bit about some of that. Yeah. So uh, I began my career. Uh, I went to massage therapy school in Gainesville, Florida in 1974. Uh, I began working as a licensed massage therapist in 1975. Uh, and my first job was at a place called the Gainesville Executive Health Club. And then I later moved to the International Health Spa and Beauty Resort, which was previously known as the Steve Spurrier Health Club. And of course, Steve Spurrier was the, uh, before he was the great ball coach, uh, he was a quarterback at the University of Florida in 1967, won the Heisman Trophy. So I worked at the health club that uh, he built early on in his uh, uh, football career. And uh, I began working with uh, active people, active adults. So that came about in Gainesville, Florida, because I attended the University of Florida in 1969 on a full athletic scholarship. And I was in uh, the first recruiting class of African-American athletes mm -hmm. to integrate the SEC. Okay. So when I arrived in 1969 on a trailways bus from Columbus, Georgia, to begin my student athlete career at the University of Florida, I was one of only five African American athletes on campus, two uh, on the football team, and three of us on the track and field team. And I was one of the three on the track and field team. So, to give you a perspective in the Southeastern Conference during this time of integration, at previously all white universities by law. Uh, 1969, Paul Bear Bryant at the University of Alabama recruited one African-American athlete to play football at the University of Alabama, just to give you a perspective. Mm -hmm. University of Georgia at that time, this is way before Herschel Walker and all of this and that, zero. They, were, they recruited me because I was a Georgia high schooler. Had I gone to the University of Georgia, I would have been their first African-American athlete. Uh, I chose Florida instead. Uh, Auburn University had one black athlete. Um, Tennessee had, Tennessee maybe had six or seven. They were stepping up pretty quick. University of Florida had five. Uh, Ole Miss had zero, Mississippi State had zero, Vanderbilt may have had one. Mm -hmm. so, so the reason I say that is that everything that I have done, uh, including in my massage therapy career, I have tended to be the first or certainly the tip of 
the movement mm -hmm. to create change, change for the good of all, whether those are my patients, my clients, but that's always been my experience in life. So in Georgia, when I went to high school in Georgia, I was in the first year of integrating the previously all white Baker High School in Columbus, Georgia. So I was bused to this mm -hmm. new school as a ninth grader. And so everything that I've done, I've always been at the forefront mm -hmm. of change for the good of all. And I just say that to, uh, it, to give your mm -hmm. audience some background. So I ran track at the University of Florida. Mm -hmm. And I read an article about massage for runners in Europe that a lot of runners in Europe they got regular massage and it seemed to help their recovery. And, and I'm thinking like, wow, like I'm running track here and no athletic trainer or nobody's ever massaged my legs. Mm -hmm. And I thought, why aren't we like doing this? Like, man, this sounds like this could be helpful. So I started reading as much as I could. And then a friend said, Hey, you know, you can go to school and learn this. And I was like, what? Like, you can go to massage school, like such a thing exists. It says, yeah. And so I went to massage school. <laughs> yes. And when I came out, I started working with the active adults. And I knew from the beginning that I was going to be successful with this, with helping people, because whenever I worked with people and helped them, I felt great. And I thought, if doing this makes me feel this way, it is truly what I love. And I knew I was going to be successful professionally because my original uh, license in the state of Florida to practice massage therapy pursuant to chapter 480 of the Florida statutes, uh, you had to have a photo was placed on your original license. And then of course, you, as you renew, you get like a little card that mm -hmm. shows your current, but your original certificate of registration, your original certificate has a place for a photo. And it says, do not remove And that photo, just like your passport. Mm -hmm. When that photo is put on there, do not remove. So this was, you know, of course, before cell phones and cameras. So you had to like go somewhere mm -hmm. to get a photo done. So that day I went to have my photo made for my original massage certificate of registration, photo do not ever remove by law. I wore a wool suit, coat and tie, walked five blocks in 92 degree weather in Gainesville, Florida, and had my photo taken with a coat and tie on so that I would express the high level of professionalism that I had as a licensed massage therapist. And I always point that out because a lot of my classmates, they wore tie-dye t-shirts mm -hmm. and, you know, whatever. Remember, this is like the seventies. Okay. Right, so right, bell right. bottoms. And, and uh, I was the only one in my class that wore a suit, a coat and tie for my photo, not to be removed by state law because I said 20, 30, 40 years from now, that original certificate of registration is going to imply 
this is a professional, mm. successful therapist. So that's my story on that. Yeah, no, that's, that's <laughs> great. And, you know, you know, with your, with your background, like one of the things I wanted to make sure that we got across and got into is that, you know, cause, cause massage is, is very much uh, more of a popular thing now, but there's a difference, right? There's, there's a, um, you know, a, a spa-like massage, but then there's more therapeutic massage. Um, and then there's, and I've met many massage therapists um, over the years that, you know, they've taken their level of training and their careers to even a, a higher level. And that's what you've, like you said, you've led the way on that um, in many yeah. areas. And so uh, I appreciate that. And, um, you know, we, I've, I've mentioned to people before that, you know, a, a lot of times, you know, people get into, you know, either, you know, seeing the types of patients or clients that they see or the profession that they do because of their, their past experiences or their, their current experiences. And so that, that history and that background of, you know, where you came from, what was going on at the time and how that's really shaped 46 years, um, of you leading and, and being the first in, in many aspects. Um, no, that's very insightful. And I appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. You know, the first American massage therapy association convention I went to, uh, I I only saw three African-American people there Mm. and and one was from Canada. So I'm not even sure if I get to count him, (laughs) but I thought like, wow, man, there, there aren't very many people of color in this profession. Like, why is that? And so I remember thinking to myself, like, man, I'm going to set a pace here that's going to expand this care to all people. Mm. That it's not just care that only affluent white Americans get, mm-hmm. but this is something that all people benefit from. So uh, let me back up here a bit on, I want to share with you my view of massage. Yeah, great. So, so my view of massage is that all massage is therapeutic. And the reason that all massage is therapeutic, no matter the venue, is because human touch mm. is therapeutic. So for me, it doesn't matter whether you're doing massage in a spa, doing massage uh, at a franchise, uh, or doing massage at a you know, sports therapy-oriented clinic like I have. Mm-hmm. all touch is therapeutic and so uh, i don't make a distinction other than what credentials you have which indicates your line of study so if you took a medical massage uh, certification program what that tells me is that here's the level of study that you engaged in but in the end, touch is touch is touch. And I'm going to go to the great book written by professor, anthropologist, researcher, Ashley Montague. Ashley Montague wrote a fantastic book. He did all types of social anthropology studies and psychological on all types of things in our society. But one of the things that he studied prolifically was 
the significance of the human skin to touch. And it is a fantastic book. The title is Touching. And when you read the research that Dr. Montague did about the relevance of touch in all mammals, all mammals in terms of development, both brain function, neuromuscular, you look at the research that Tiffany Fields, PhD, University of Miami Medical School, at the Touch Research Institute. For over two and a half decades now, they have been doing research that's being replicated at Duke University, Stanford, on the role of touch for facilitating a healing process by influencing the immune system. Mm-hmm. And so, so when we look at massage therapists, for me, all massage is therapeutic, all massage is good, all massage will make a difference because it involves touch. And many in our society are suffering right now from touch deprivation because of the pandemic, where we are told to socially distance, don't touch anybody. And if you do, make sure you wash your hands. And all incredibly great instruction. But we were encouraged by the authorities with the information they had, social distance, don't touch, don't interact. And in our clinic, we're seeing the end result of that with a high level of touch deprivation, Mm -hmm. especially with people who uh, don't have like family members or people they're close to. And so they're kind of like out there. And so a great place for them to reconnect with their humanness, just getting a massage, Mm. whether it's at a spa or a franchise or wherever. And for me, that's powerfully therapeutic. So uh, if you are looking for something specific, it is important to see what's the level of training that that massage therapist has engaged in, because that will reflect what they love doing. So if you love doing spa massage in a spa environment, you're not likely going to take, you know, a myoskeletal course or take a fascial release course. I mean, you might, but chances are you're not. And so you focus on what you're good at, which is a incredibly therapeutically relaxing massage that boosts your immune system. So, but then If you're someone who's getting ready for a triathlon or you're trying to make an Olympic team or you're playing in the NBA or Major League Baseball, the NFL or WNBA or Major League Lacrosse, and you have a nagging hamstring issue that the athletic trainer and the physical therapist are working with who both believe, you know, some good hands-on care would help, then you probably should go to a massage therapist like our group and others 
who have taken their training to other levels to reflect a different strategy for the same touch, the -hmm. same power of the touch, but a different strategy. So what I find is when you look at massage therapists, look at their training, look at their credentialing so that you get an idea of what uh, level of strategies they have available to them uh, to help you. If you just want to relax, go to a spa. It's cool. Yeah, It's going to be helpful. But if you got like a chronic hamstring issue, uh, you want to see a massage therapist that has some, and and I'll say higher level of training has other levels of training that can accommodate uh, what matters to that patient, what matters to that client. Now, I, yeah, I, you know, you just gave me a different perspective on that. Um, you know, and what I heard from you was uh, that your profession is important to you and you, you love the profession because instead of saying, you know, like, like you said, you would, you would call it different, not higher level, but different uh, uh, level of training. And, you know, I, I had never thought about that, that looking at whether it's massage therapist or any other practitioner looking at the type of training shows their, what they're passionate about working mm. with. Um, I, I love that. Uh, so I appreciate that. That was, that's a good perspective shift for me. Um, yeah. you mentioned, uh, you mentioned a couple of times about how, um, you know, touch is healing and, um, and touch and, and the immune system. Um, mm-hmm. I'd love for you, you know, to get into a little bit about, um, you know, anything in particular about the world of fascia or, um, connective tissue that just is very interesting to you, very passionate about you, something, something that's new that maybe is not out there yet. Yes. Uh, I, I love fascial anatomy. I love fascia. Early on in my career, I was sitting in a lecture by a well-known orthopedic surgeon uh, who took care of many athletes at the University of Florida Athletic Association. And he was talking about during surgical procedures for the back. uh, and, And this was an orthopedic surgeon. And he was saying like, when we have to do things with the back and, and, and I have a neuro uh, on the team as well, a neurosurgeon, he was complaining about the lumbar dorsal fascia. He said, ah, oh, man, that stuff is so tough and uh, it just gets in the way. We have to put retractors in there and just get this stuff out of the way so we can get to what's really important, which are the vertebrae and the nerve roots and all this and that. And I remember this surgeon was complaining, this fascia just gets in the way, man. We've always, it's tough to cut. And at that point in time, I think the common thought was that this fascia really isn't that critical. And it kind of gets in our way when we're trying to do surgery. Well, of course, we know much better now because that's the progression of science and understanding. So from a hands-on standpoint, the success that I enjoy with helping my clients comes from using fascial anatomy as my primary guide when I'm doing my physical assessment and doing my conversation with the client. 
to discover what matters to them. And the textbook that I default to is Thomas Meyer's book, Anatomy Trains. Mm -hmm. and, and I have lectured at conferences uh, with Thomas Myers way back in the day when he was introducing this at the first fascial Congress, mm -hmm. he and I both gave presentations. Then we gave presentations in Ireland and, and this was before he had uh, written the book. Mm -hmm. And, and we were talking about how movement is influenced by this fascia, which comes from uh, Ida Roth and the Rolfing tradition. And so what I found is that I developed my massage therapy strategy to follow the 12 identified lines of fascia and how it puts stress on the body, including its contribution to chronic pain, mm -hmm. including its contribution to movement. And so what I tell people is that movement and fascia is the language that our body uses to communicate with gravity. And so I tell people that, you know, I will help your body speak the language to communicate with gravity. Because in the end, it's about that person's body's relationship with gravity, including factors that create pain. Mm -hmm. and, and that's not the only factor, but your relationship with gravity and how your body balances so that you're able to move in gravity in a way that doesn't create so much stress that you start having a pain response. Now we know there's lots of other things that can create pain responses too. Uh, environmental toxins, mm. uh, you know, uh, deficiencies, you know, nutritional mineral deficiencies can create pain. And then you can have, uh, you know, pathogens, viral, bacterial, fungal, all those things contribute. But the world that I live in, uh, I look at What's the relationship with that body where that person lives with gravity for starters? And then we can start looking at other, you know, environmental toxins, you know, what's going on with everything around us in this ethos that we live in. So, um, so fascia has been a way that I have found will typically respond to all those categories. So for example, let's say you are, uh, you're working in an office building that doesn't have windows and you're under fluorescent lights, eight, 10, 12 hours a day, uh, and you're not getting any fresh air. Okay, that could create a low level toxic response in your body that is represented by how your fascia responds. So maybe, you bring your shoulders up towards your ears. Maybe your head goes forward. Maybe you feel a lot of tightness in your mid back. I mean, all kinds of things come up that may have more to do with environmental factors 
than biochemical factors, mm. or it could be a pathogen sure. that's making muscles and fascia tighten up. So uh, what I find is that with manual therapy, I can create what, as you know, so frequently called a myofascial release. And, and what that means to me is that it gives the fascia uh, more optimal capability to allow the musculoskeletal system to operate well. And what that does is then that when that person's body is more balanced in gravity and more free, the other factors that may be contributing to their pain becomes more identifiable by other clinicians, other doctors, other therapists. So what I often tell people is what I'm doing is removing the hurdles that will allow your body to find its most comfortable position of balance in movement in gravity so that other clinicians may be able to identify what's really contributing to this. Because now what we've done is we have effectively eliminated the structural factors that could be involved, mm -hmm. but may not be involved. So we clear that out. Now it becomes clear. Oh, wow. So it's not because your neck is this way or that way. It's because of this. So some other practitioner, you know, medical therapist may discover like, wow, okay, now we see what's going on. So that's, that's my contribution uh, to the process because I feel that the sign of a good professional therapist and a good professional provider is to know when not to do something and to know when to refer and who to refer to. Mm. Yeah, that's good. That's a sign of a good professional there. You don't ever tell a patient, don't ever tell a client, there's nothing more we can do. Mm. There's nothing more. Can do. There is more you can do. Refer them to someone else whose attitude may be more inviting to that patient to reveal a bit of information that could have been missed. Mm. You know, the whole white coat syndrome. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I, oh, I forgot to tell you that uh, I've been living in a house with black mold for 15 years. Yes. Well, wh why didn't you tell us that? Well, I was, I was afraid that the doctor would, I don't know do something not but people you know we talked early about this copper building mm -hmm. everything in here i mean there's a lot of details that uh i asked cunningham architects to do and the reynolds family supported it by basically paying for mm -hmm. it uh, was designed to reduce the fear factor when people come to see us and here's why. When people are coming to see us, they're often in pain. They're scared. There's an unknown. They don't know what's going on. And so for us to do our best work, we want that client to feel welcomed and be welcomed and feel safe, secure, and no judgment is being made. No judgment is being made. 
And the way I do that is a very simple formula. I listen to them and I believe them. It's good. I listen to them and I believe them. And for many people who come to see me, that's the first time a clinician has done that with them. Oh, well, it's just all in your head. You know, there's nothing on the MRI. There's nothing on the X-ray. There's, I don't know why I'm using that voice. I guess, <laughs> you, know, you know, there's nothing on yeah. the X-ray, nothing on the da, 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 da. You know, this just must be in your head as if somehow our head and our mind mm -hmm. is not part of our humanness. Mm -hmm. So I listen to them and I believe them. Okay. If a person comes in and they say to me, Jason, Hey, Benny, man, my back is killing me. Good enough for me. I believe him. Yeah. Yeah. You know, well, x-ray doesn't show anything. I believe him. MRI is yeah. negative. I believe if that person who lives in that body tells me their back hurts, that is good enough for me. Yeah. That's good enough. Now my, you know, responsibility mm -hmm. is like, I need to help them move out of that pain. What skills do I have that can do that? Including who can I refer them to? Yeah. You know, I refer to physical therapists and physicians and chiropractors. I mean, I refer to all kinds of, I refer to, to nutritionists. I refer to Pilates teachers because based on what I see, here's what I believe would benefit what matters to you. That's what I say to the client. That's what I say to the patient. Oh, that's good. I, I, no, I love that. I mean, just the other day, um, a younger, uh, brand new physical therapist and I were talking, um, and unfortunately we didn't get to finish this conversation, but I think that's where he was going was he was, he was saying something along the lines of, you know, Jason, like, how do you know what to believe when somebody's telling you something and what they're exaggerating? And, you know, I didn't, I, we got interrupted and then he had to leave. And so we didn't even get to answer this, but you, what you just said, spot on, like you err on the side of believing the patient because, you know, whether the, the x-ray is negative, the MRI is negative pain is a complex experience and a complex response. And so, yeah, so the x-ray and the MRI are negative. Okay, great. We know the big stuff structurally is not there, but there's something, um, you know, so I, I love hearing you say that. Um, I'm, I'm curious with, um, with how long that you've been in the profession, with everything you've achieved, um, what are you most proud of? What I am most proud of are the hundreds of young massage therapists that I have influenced to do great things for the good of all, for their patients, for their, their clients. And many times, uh, I don't know uh, what impact I'm having by providing a moment of inspiration to them. And I only know it when I see them at a conference or mm. somewhere and they come up to me and they say, you know, you don't know me, but I saw you lecture at this and that. And I'll give you the most recent example. So last year I was in Tokyo with the uh, U.S. Olympic team, mm -hmm. uh, I was providing massage therapy services 
at the high performance center for the U.S. team. So the U.S. Olympic team, we have a high performance center. We do this at every site. And I've done five Olympic games mm -hmm. and we always set up uh, a high performance center where our teams can leave the Olympic village and they come and they train there. So they're not trying to get space and time on tracks and swimming pools, that sort of mm -hmm. thing. So we usually will lease an existing sports complex in whatever country we're in. And then uh, our facilities group will go in there usually years in advance and will upgrade whatever we require. So uh, we had a high performance center in uh, uh, Setagaya, Japan, which was about a 30 minute bus ride from the Olympic village. And so we had uh, our uh, therapy facility set up. So a staff with uh, physical therapists, chiropractors, massage therapists, and MDs at the wide range from emergency medicine, uh, orthopedics, internal. And then uh, we have uh, licensed counselors uh, for the mental health part of it. And so we work in a really, it, it was a well-equipped facility in Tokyo. I mean, it was like the bomb. I mean, if you were a physical therapist or a massage therapist or practice, that's where you want to be working at the Olympic Games. I mean, we had a nice setup. During the month that I was there, a day didn't pass that a provider would come in with one of the U.S. teams and see me and come over to me and introduce themselves and say to me, it was very moving for me, they would say to me, the reason that I do this work now is because I saw you speak once and it so inspired me. Wow. And these were people who were now physical therapists, chiropractors, massage therapists, like a wide range who said that I had provided them with a moment of inspiration by something I said. So what I say to that, that's what I'm most proud of, is inspiring other clinicians who are helping other people for the good of all. And that's what I'm most proud of, is that I have always treated everyone fairly. I've always dispensed inspiration widely, never expecting anything in return. And so when that happens and that it was happening to the point that one of the team physicians, a very well-known famous surgeon uh, who was one of the chief medical officers, he was watching this daily, like one person two, And he came over to me, he says, wow, because he, he mentors residents and things, you know, uh, in surgery back here in the States. And he said, wow, I noticed that you've really, impacted a lot of therapists and i said yeah apparently so because i didn't know it at the time <laughs> and so that's what i'm most uh proud of and so so what i say to all of us who are in this level of service to others especially others who are in pain who are in fear who don't know what they're going to do when we support them with our words, 
with our attitude, with our comfort, and with our belief that there is a solution for you. And I will help you. And together, we will find that solution. And that may mean suspend your need to know how you're going to do it. But just believe that you will. And it may mean you refer them to someone. Or you know another therapist who's had a lot of experience with this. Mm -hmm. You know, be a resource for these people. And never tell them there's nothing more we can do. So yeah. that's what I'm proud of. Oh, I love that. Um, so this will be a good transition because I feel like with your experience, with your, your perspective on things that a lot of people, and it's in this evident because a lot of people have come up and told you, you inspired me. This is, this is something that your life, your career has provided to people. So I want to get in and I want to get, I want you to have the chance to, to talk about what your, what your next endeavor is. And I know one of the things that um, you've started doing is some life coaching. Um, so tell us a little bit about what you're doing with that, what that looks like. Yeah. So uh, I'm a certified life mastery consultant. So I'm doing life coaching. Uh, I did my training uh, with the Brave Thinking Institute, Mary Morrissey, uh, out in California. And uh, I uh, continue to be in study with the Brave Thinking Institute. Uh, I'm in my fourth year of study with them. Mm -hmm. And uh, they, when I looked at different life coach uh, certification programs, uh, this one just stood way out, stood way, way out. Mm -hmm. And let me tell you why. It's the only training and curriculum I have ever done, including college, where in order to move on to the next module of study, you must score, you are required to score 100% on the examinations. Wow. And there were plenty of exams. Mm -hmm. I have never seen that. Yeah. And so because you're doing it on a computer, it won't let you go on. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> now you can retake the exams, of course, because the idea is that, okay, what did I not get? Let me go back mm -hmm. and review that. And so they are pretty stringent about you getting it right. Because the work that you're going to do in life coaching to help people is really, really important for that person's life. So I'm doing life coaching now. Um, there are three demographics that I focus on. One are therapists. I am coaching therapists because I believe in order for a therapist to be their very best version of themselves requires them to be sure they are getting the support to identify what they would love that they can pass on and use with their clients. Because I just think that we and touch play such a critical role for the human experience. So I'm life coaching therapists, uh, massage therapists, physical therapists. And uh, if I get an MD or a DO or a DC, uh, I'm happy 
to work with them as well. Mm-hmm. Um, the next group are competitive athletes. Uh, the majority, the ones that I have now, they're all professional. So they're playing in the professional leagues, NFL, Major League Baseball, NBA. Uh, so professional athletes, because the pressure on, and many of these are young people, mm-hmm. you know, WNBA, young people. And so that's the, other, and then the uh, third group are people who want a better quality of life and relationship with their uh, families, their colleagues, and they want to realize their full potential in the human experience. Mm -hmm. And and I incorporate uh, life coaching in my therapy sessions with people. Mm -hmm. And and here's an example of how I use it. So I've got uh, a client, a patient on the table. I'm doing massage. I'm doing what I do. And they say to me, for example, like, oh, man, my hamstrings are really tight, aren't they? And I say, no. I say, let's, let's recalibrate this thought. Your hamstrings have a tremendous amount of stored elastic energy. Your hamstrings have a tremendous amount of stored elastic energy. We're going to give you more access to that stored elastic energy. Because tightness has been, you know, made out to be the devil. And Mm -hmm. it's not. It's just an indicator to us clinicians like, wow, okay, you got a lot of stored elastic energy in there. Let's help you Mm -hmm. get access to it. Yeah. And, And so that's an example of life coaching in the therapy yeah. room, you know, uh, and, and there's other examples too, but that, that example is good enough. So, so I just tell them, you know, like, uh, or, or, or they might say this, they'll say, uh, Benny, I, I need this pain in my shoulder to go away. Mm-hmm. And I say, okay, let's press pause. I say, let's recalibrate that. And let's say this, Benny, I require this pain to not be in my shoulder. So I just have them shift need to require. Mm -hmm. Because when you use the word need, and there's lots of studies on the physiology of words, you're probably Mm -hmm. familiar with them, the words that we use create certain physiological responses. So I just say you require your shoulder to be pain-free. You don't need it to be because need comes from a a point of scarcity Mm -hmm. that the solution may not exist. And that's the energy around that. But when you say require, then Mm -hmm. that means, well, the solution exists. So I'm just requiring us to find the solution. So I, I do simple life coaching like that during a therapy session. Yeah. And guess what? The patient and the person actually feels better. Mm-hmm. They feel less pain. And then you couple that with touch and caring and compassion. 
And the big one is love. Mm-hmm. Most powerful emotion. So sometimes I, I've had young therapists uh, come and I'll let them with the uh, client patient's permission, they can sit in the therapy suite and watch me work mm-hmm. and they'll see me and they'll go like, okay, I, I do that already because they're looking for some complicated movement or mobilization or something fancy name, you know, I'm just, I'm doing massage. Mm -hmm. And I said, so I say to them, they say, well, man, that's like, that was like nothing. That was, I said, what you don't see is the thought process. So you don't see the thoughts of my intentions. And I said, all I'm doing is that I'm just, I'm just pushing out love, caring, compassion, support for another human being. Mm-hmm. And then you add touch to that and people get better. So a lot of times uh, people say, well, well, what did you do differently? You know, I said, I just cared about them. Mm-hmm. I just showed them some love, cared about them. I believe yeah. them. I didn't make any judgment. Yeah. Even if the MRI and the x-ray is negative. <laughs> okay. Yeah. No, that's, that's great. Um, and I want to, I want to be mindful of the the time. I know you've got a client coming up. Um, if, if somebody wants to find out more about what you're doing, um, where can they go to, is there a good website? Um, are you on social media? Uh, yeah. So, uh, I'm on social media, uh, and, and this is just a term I just learned. Now, remember, I'm 71 years old. And so I'm learning this. To, okay. At the beginning of the pandemic, I had no idea what Zoom was. Mm-hmm. Didn't know it. Didn't like, like what? Like you can like talk to somebody and see them on a computer. It's just the world I grew up in. Okay. So, <laughs> and look at me now. Yeah. Look like, at you. I got like a this Zoom is, camera. You're hey, a natural. And, and, and I'm at my office. I mm-hmm. built myself a little Zoom studio. Yeah, I went. I went to Bed Bath and Beyond and bought me some curtains and put them up in kind of like Dallas Cowboy silver and blue. You know, just kind of <laughs> like a, I don't yeah. know, like a subtle hint that I'm in Texas somewhere. <laughs> and uh, got myself a, a broadcast microphone with a pop filter on it. And these are just words I learned. Okay. Hey, you're you're beyond my level at this point. And uh, and so here I am. Uh, so they can go to. Um, so I have a, a new website and it's uh bennyvonlifecoach.com. Bennyvonlifecoach.com. And uh they can go there. And then my uh Instagram handle, I learned that from a young person who's helped me. My IG handle is uh <laughs> Benny Von Official. So you can okay. follow me on Benny Vaughn official and it's linked to my Facebook and I don't know what my Facebook handle is, but <laughs> that's okay. I think, I think most people use Instagram anyway. And... Okay. Good. Yeah, but, but what good. I know is that the, uh, uh, the, uh, the website technician connected my Instagram to automatically go to my Facebook. Yes. Yeah. because uh he knew that uh no i don't know you got to make this simple for me yeah so, so you can go to uh benny von official or uh benny von life so thank you 
Perfect. Yes. And I'll make sure those are in the show notes. And um, no, that's great. I, you know, Benny, I, it's been a pleasure. I've really enjoyed this, um, this interview, this conversation. Uh, honestly, I thought it was going to go one direction and I love the direction it went. I, I thought, you know, we'll probably talk a lot about tissue and, and fascia, but um, I think, I think some of the topics we got into are uh, going to be far, far more beneficial um, because yeah. it's, it's not what's being talked about as much. Um, yeah. So I, I think that'll be, that'll be good. Um, well, very good. Is there any, any parting words? Um, is there anything that you want to leave the listener with? I, yeah, I, I would just say to the listener, um, I'll just repeat something that I said earlier. Uh, if a problem exists, so does a solution. Mm-hmm. It's the way of the universe. That's great. I think that's a, that's a perfect thing to end that on. Benny, I appreciate your time. Thank you for, for doing this interview with me. Yeah. And thanks for uh, inviting me. And, uh, you know, I'd love to, you know, continue to have interaction and conversations and trade ideas and hmm. concepts that will uh, benefit patients and clients throughout. Absolutely. Absolutely. 